0: welcome to extreme exposure the power of personality marketing your host is jackie mcclinigan in this program we'll show you how to make your marketing plan work by helping you stand out and become a bigger player in your industry are you ready here's your host jackie mcclinigan
1: Hello and welcome to the show and I'm very excited to be here today. I'm always excited to be here. Um, I really love this show and if you're listening, this is a great place to be if you're an author, speaker, coach or a small business owner and you want to learn how to get creative, get yourself known and get out there in a bigger way. And before we get going today, I wanted to do a quick shout out to... Voice America, thank you very much for being such a great platform. I'm very happy that I get to be on this show. But they're also a sponsor at an upcoming event that's happening in Phoenix, uh, October 21st to 23rd. They're our title sponsor for the Pure Potentials Speakers Retreat. So if you are interested in upping your game in your speaking business, then go ahead over to purepotentials.com and check that out. So... Today is very exciting because I am here with one of my very favorite people on the entire planet. And that is not an exaggeration. This is a stone cold truth. (laughs) I'm here today with my baby brother. And the reason I wanted to interview my brother is because he is one of the most inspirational people in my life. And even though I'm a lot, and I'm not going to tell you how much older than I am, uh, of him or whatever, older than him, you know what I mean, (laughs) which is a lot. I learn a lot from him all the time, and I really want him to tell the story of where he is now and where he's come from. And I think it's really inspirational to a lot of people, especially when you're working in things like when you're being a speaker or an author. You know, that takes a lot of creativity and time, and you can get really discouraged along the way. So I wanted him to share his journey with you today because I find it inspirational Maximilian is his name Maximilian Krabiak. he's my brother and he's a cinematographer he's uh, he does design he's very creative he's an artist and he's had a very interesting journey and I'm very jealous of him because I wish that I would have done a lot of the things that he's done over his lifetime welcome baby brother Max say hello
2: hey everybody
1: <laughs> it's my brother so Max I want you to tell the story so I know that I know the story Max was um, started off his journey by going to the very prestigious Vancouver Film School. So, why don't you tell us about that process and why did you decide to go into film, Max?
2: Uh, okay, so yeah, so I started at Vancouver Film School. Um, the whole process didn't start with, with film in general. It was uh, it was that was a bit of a a drawn out realization. Um, starting just as a teenager and being interested in photography and going to art school for photography. It was a natural progression into motion picture and film and storytelling.
1: Yeah. I know that you did like uh, that when you were, I don't even know how old you are, maybe 16, I gave you a camera and you dropped it off a boat. (laughs) Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah I do.
3: Yeah.
1: <laughs> so you do a lot of stuff, uh, a lot of different things. I, I love your work, and I know that you've taught me a lot about videos. So if you've seen anything that I do on the website, I'm a big, big fan of speakers getting out there, making videos, having videos made for them. And... Um, it's not as easy as everyone thinks. You don't put out a camera and you don't just stand in front of it. And there's components right from beginning to end, you know, and it's a bunch of different jobs, right? So why don't you tell us, I mean, I know that the part that I love the best is that performance, you know, having your message, getting out there. Once you have that, you know, what's the process that you went through in Vancouver Film School? What did you learn how to do?
2: Um, well, like at any institution or any school, uh, everything's broken down into just steps in the area you want to learn. I mean, Vancouver film school, uh, especially when you're taking the film program is very much centered around uh, storytelling uh, and not so much like technical aspects, but uh, like for me, I focused in on cinematography. So uh, a lot of the education was based on storytelling through images uh, and storytelling through lighting and through shaping uh, the area around and how to just using camera tricks, uh, depth of field lens choices, all to progress the director's story or the story that you're telling um, and to follow kind of a certain arc and to shape moods and, and imagery.
1: I love that. You know, I think that's really cool, too, because when people are, you know, they, they want to make their videos or get their videos done, um, you have to have that all of it in place right how do you tell this story with these images it's like what we do on instagram or facebook we're really drawn to them because that vibe says so much more than what we can just say with with words right Mm -hmm. yeah i love it so what's your favorite genre of film do you have
2: one Favorite genre of film um I, i really i really love anything uh like i love i love hero's journeys um And just adventure kind of films. Uh, I mean, when I was younger, the biggest draw to imagery and film and photography for me was um, like National Geo, uh, like realistic documentaries on just uh, adventure and exploring life.
1: Yeah, I know. Uh, You know, one of the cool things here too is the fact that we have this creative passion within us. And one of the things we're going to talk about on today's show, or the thing we're going to talk about, is how. We tend to fall off these paths right we mm. we kind of weave and we we think that oh i'm going to go to this great school i'm going to learn all these technical skills or i'm going to buy my camera equipment and then i'm going to have this level of success and this is going to be this straight path but it's not like that at all and one of the things that i like hearing what you just said now is that your favorite genre is this hero's journey mm. but that's kind of the path to being a creative in itself right mm. so you moved away from Calgary. You packed up. You went to Vancouver Film School, and then what happened? You you graduated, had this great uh, degree behind you. What did you do next?
2: Mm. Well, yeah, film school was really great. It was really a great transformative experience um, and a great educational base. Um, following film school, I was in Vancouver for a while, uh, doing some freelance stuff, and kind of fell into position at uh, Leo's Camera, which is a kind of an antique old-school camera store, which was uh, a really cool experience for me for a long time, uh, even just learning, because, like, everyone I worked with were uh, a lot of older dudes who have been in the industry for, for quite some time and uh, had a very, very solid technical knowledge base, which was definitely something that kind of lacks in uh, in larger or more creative institu- institutions. You don't get a large uh, technical base on kind of uh, what you're doing. It's, it's a lot, again, a lot more uh, intuitive and about storytelling and about mood rather than, um, like, technique and just technical kind of, uh, skill sets. Um, but yeah, so I was at the camera store for a little while. Um, yeah, yeah.
1: Sorry. <laughs> no, I love that. So when you were there and you had these old guys and they were teaching you were they teaching you, you know, how to you I mean, you must have learned some of that in, in film school, how to use the camera or was that just an extension of the education?
2: Mm-hmm. That was that was a bit of an extension of the education. You do you do learn, like you don't explore too many cameras in film school. Like I mean, like that was a bunch of years ago. So I mean, the, the best thing was shooting on was like a Sony F3 um like 35 mil based like digital camera and we you would we would do th- some things in, in film so like we'd shoot like super 16 on like old airy super 16s but i mean that's about as far as your like exp- exploration into different cameras would go so mm-hmm. one of the good things about working kind of at a <clears throat> at a like a rental house and like an anti-camera shop is I got to see like some really cool old school stuff like old 35 mil based like panavision cameras um old like 35 mil film cutters for editing and then we'd we and we're also a rental house so we'd rent out uh professional production gear, which is great to be around and great to learn about and great to touch and use. So, I mean, in as a as a place to progress my skills as a filmmaker, uh, in being that new coming out of film school, it's definitely an awesome place to be just to absorb kind of the knowledge of these older guys and also be around all the professional gear to really understand more about what was kind of going on.
1: Huh. That's really weird. You're, I know your story. I actually, listening to you now, mm. is really interesting to me because I didn't know that. Mm. <laughs> I was thinking that you go to film school and now I know how to put up my lighting. <clears throat> and I have harassed this boy on everything that there is to harass him in regards to cameras and lighting. <laughs> and I, I think it's so beautiful because Uh, Hearing you say that, when I'm talking to people and bringing their personality into their marketing and into their message, Mm -hmm. that's storytelling. And I didn't even understand how much on the same page we were. So that's very cool. I love that. That's cool. cool. I like that. So you worked there for a while. I know that. Learned a bunch of stuff. And were you making any films at that time or what was happening in your world?
2: Yeah, like very few. I mean... uh... A lot of them were or like passion projects, short films, things I was trying to get involved. I mean, I was working with a lot of other like recent graduates or, or students, um, people in the same situation as me, all just kind of trying to uh, blaze a path into the creative industry, which is a bit ambiguous at times. Um, so I mean, it was, it was a great time spent and lots of stuff learned, but it definitely came, I got, I got to a point uh, being there when I wasn't uh, progressing any sort of way. I was kind of came down to just starting to rent out cameras, which really wasn't (laughs) where I wanted to be or what I wanted to do. I
1: went and got this fancy education now. I can rent you a camera. (laughs)
2: Exactly,
1: yeah. And I know, too, that – and I'm one of those people. I go into camera stores, and I'm harassing the person behind the desk because I want them to tell me how these things work, right? Mm -hmm. And I know for you that that can be a bit trying when when you go back to that part of you that's really passionate and why you did it to start with, Mm -hmm. is that you're not there to – want to tell everyone how to use this equipment you wanted to tell stories and that's Mm. always been how you are right Mm -hmm. um went to Vancouver worked here started to feel like you're just renting out cameras Mm -hmm. you know were you feeling like maybe you were a bit lost like what was your next
2: yeah no absolutely like uh it it was definitely like a, a time of confusion and uh um lack of of whereabouts in in terms of where to kind of go forward from there um I was kind of running out of prospects of, of kind of where to pro- progress myself and also getting caught up with just being in school for the whole time, um, having, this, having this ideology that I was kind of, uh, I had the knowledge base rather than um, being interested in expanding my knowledge base, which is, was definitely kind of a naive uh, early kind of downfall for me as a new graduate to to think that I had um, had seen it or have done it kind of at that point
4: because (laughs) I was just beginning.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I know I get a lot of people and maybe they've spoken at a meetup or something, which is awesome. Or maybe they've taken some Toastmasters. again, awesome things to do, but you're never at the end of your knowledge base as Mm -hmm. a performer, creative artist, speaker, whatever. You just aren't
2: right. Yeah. You always have to expand your knowledge and continue to learn, which is uh, one of the single biggest lessons that I've learned that have helped me progress as a professional is just always keep your eyes open and, and, uh, talking to anybody and, and, and knowing it. anything that someone else has to share is usually worthy of your of, of of a lesson that you could you could apply to your own practice which Oh, is, yeah. yeah
1: no i and i i'm going to just give a side tangent here about what you just said, talking to everybody, because you never know where that's going to lead you. I am an extreme extrovert, Mm. (laughs) as everybody knows. (laughs) And so I was in a bar in Phoenix waiting to meet with a friend and I had um, my laptop there and I was doing my work and the bartender was behind the bar and nobody was in this place. And I said to him, don't let anyone steal my laptop. And he said, no, you're good. Just, you know, go to the washroom, go on, you're good. And I came back and there was this man sitting beside my computer. And I was like, what the hell? This, look how close this guy was to my computer. Sir, are you trying to steal my computer? And the bartender's like, no, don't do it. She'll kill me. And he's like, I wasn't going to steal it. I'm just sitting here. But it was just a, it was kind of a joke. And I was making a conversation. And, just reaching out and having kind of a connection with somebody, this guy was talking about syndicating content. It's a lot like what they do with radio shows or your blogs, and they can take this information and turn your website into this hub, a syndication hub, which was mind-blowing and cool. And the exact person that I needed to talk to, and now this man who's awesome, is going to come to the Phoenix event and share his wisdom with all the attendees there. Isn't that cool? That
2: is cool. Yeah, I know. I
1: love, I love when that kind of stuff happens. Mm -hmm. So anyways, back to you. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, You, I know that we all think that as a creative, you do everything the same way that maybe you would do if you were, I don't want to say not creative because I don't think that about people, but yeah,
2: I'm a little cooler,
1: Yeah, you know, there's a lot of people who maybe are academic and they want to do things in a linear process, mm-hmm. right? And so we can fall into that. And you think I'm going to go to school? I'm going to work at a camera store, and then next thing you know, you start to feel like this isn't working out for you. So mm-hmm. you came home. What happened when you came home?
2: Um, well, the whole, the, whole, the whole decision to come home was uh, because nothing was happening in, in the a field in the way I kind of wanted it to happen um I decided to move back to my hometown to to save up a bit of to to make my own budget for some projects I had in mind so I wanted to um again also being younger and being in, inspired by uh more like adventure flex I decided that me and a friend actually from film school decided it'd be a great idea to to go to Peru for a little while and uh and film a bit of a documentary there so the whole plan was to come home and save money to to make this documentary happen which kind of turned into a uh, which tur- it turned out, but it's it's still kind of in the... Like three years later, it's still, <laughs> still in the process and was a bit of a a crazy shit show, but... Uh, I,
1: know. I know. Um, and you started working... I'm going to do a uh, shout-out because you came back and got a job in a camera store. <laughs> so I
2: went back to the camera store, yeah.
1: <laughs> to save money, which is cool. Yeah. And I'm going to shout-out to VizTech because I think that they're awesome. Please, please keep giving me those discounts because I really like them. <laughs> VizTech in Calgary. <laughs> um, so you... Just to sidetrack. Tell us a little bit about how crazy Peru was and why it was a shit show. Because it's a crazy story.
2: Yeah. Well, Peru, Peru is just yeah, wild in itself. That um, my buddy from film school, same situation I was in. Both again being a little bit naive, new graduates. Uh, James, James McPhee has a. He's, he's a really great guy actually, but um, I, he's, he just has a condition where he he's lacking limbs. Um, so the whole documentary is based on us hiking the Inca trail, which is just a four-day hike to Machu Picchu. Um, with a guy who basically doesn't have any legs. Uh, and we thought it'd just be a really cool kind of adventure to do. He, he wanted on it. He approached me because he wanted to, uh, push his comfort zone and push his boundaries. Cause he hadn't really, uh, stepped out of, out of, uh, an area that has lots of support for him before. So we had this great idea of being film graduates. So that we can go there, uh, <laughs> without any preparation, <laughs> as for some cameras and shoot it, shoot a documentary. Um, which, which worked out we did I mean we made it uh
1: I know there was challenges though that's crazy so he doesn't have I mean he it's amazing what this guy can do because he's I mean born with a condition mm-hmm. and he's got no arms and um you guys were hiking and you're you, you're not prepared you're, you got some gear and then you get an injury <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> tell
1: us about that
2: yeah, I got I just got a pretty bad like I, I got a cut on my hand, I got a pretty bad infection, so my hand it's it's swollen up, probably three like twice the size of what it should have been and uh we yeah, we just we didn't we didn't ha- we weren't prepared in any sense of the means to to go about this venture. We really just kind of threw ourselves in again, being naive and thinking we can just show up in a country and make a documentary. Um.
1: <laughs> I like that though. Yeah, I yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I actually think it's cool that you would do something like that yeah. because people who don't take those kind of risks never never do anything. Yeah, it was a mistake. For no, I'm not going to say it was. I a wouldn't mistake. say it was a mistake. I yeah. don't think it was a mistake. I think that it could have gone smoother. <laughs>
2: Yeah, it was, it was naive, if anything. But it could have gone smoother. It was worth it, for sure.
1: But then you, what happened, you find this, your hand's all swollen up, and now you're down to one limb, and you find a doctor of all crazy... Or didn't they tell you to go back or something? Did they say, go home?
2: Yeah, no. We, our, our, our guide gave up and was like, man, you guys can't go on. Like, this is retarded. You, like, James doesn't have limbs, and your hand's messed up, and you shouldn't be here. You need to go <laughs> home. We need to get you out of here.
1: I'm liable for this. You're going to sue me, for sure. Yeah,
2: like, it was... Everyone was kind of freaking out, and... uh <laughs> I was I was almost ready to go too, and it was actually James really who was who was adamant that we weren't going to give up and that we were going to stick through it, and that uh, that we, we still had three days left. And he's like, "No man, we're here. We came this far." Like by this point in time too, we we had gotten a scuffle at a train station, so we'd lost one of our cameras that had gotten kind of trashed and,
1: oh, and destroyed. Right. So
2: we were camera down. We we're out fi- like five grand, and we're just everyone's feeling down. And it was like, "Hey, we're giving up." And James James is the one who was like, "No man, like I've I've I pushed myself this far. I've come here. I mean, he was all cut up and bruised, like he, he, like." No, he was pushing himself really hard, and so we we <laughs> made the decision to stick through it, which was really turned out to be the the right thing at the end of the end of the day. But
1: oh man! And so how did you? So you you told the guide, and he was like, "What did he do? Is he going like you're not my problem? I don't want to deal with you guys." Like, what oh, did he say?
2: Well, I mean, the guide was the guide was adamant that we leave, and I mean, we basically told him we're not going to, and he had a choice that he could he could live his life the way he, he chose oh like and that was, that was like he had no there's nothing else he really could have done other than keep going or leave himself um so there's it was really up to us basically we just we just set a position that we we were staying and that was basically it
1: I know I gave the spoiler alert like three times but you met a doctor
2: yeah, yeah no, yeah, we, ran, we ran to a doctor on the trail which is a saving grace so we hooked up some antibiotics and cleared up that swollen hand issue and <laughs>
1: <laughs> got to the top, made this film, <clears throat> made cut the footage, anyways. So that's mm-hmm. really cool that you guys got all the way there and did that. Mm-hmm. It wasn't easy. I know that's a funny story, um, but I, I'm. I mean, it's amazing what passion and persistence will do. And actually, a bit of naivety. Yeah. <laughs> I the first time I ever did a, a theater production, I started a theater production when I was very young, a theater company, and this man who'd been doing a lot of acting for a long time said. I had to come to this audition because I did not understand how you think you can do this. And he said, I want to work with somebody who doesn't know they can't do something. Yeah. And I thought that was one of the coolest things that I ever heard. Because if you have it in your mind already that you can't do it, you are so screwed. Mm-hmm. But if you're like, you know what? I'm going for it. Yeah. And and the lessons and the things that you guys learned and the stuff that you shot out of that mm-hmm. is crazy beautiful. So. I think that's awesome. We're going to take a quick break here, go to a commercial, and then we're going to come back and hear the rest of this story.
4: When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network.
3: There are two types of leaders in business. Those who are nice, compassionate people. And frankly, they are the people who fail to get a lot done. Then there are those who can get everything done and so much more. But they are greedy, unethical, and self-centered. The Compassionate Samurai Business Hour with Kathy Fairbanks Finds a way to use the best of both types of leaders to help you create a dynamic roadmap to success. Tune in every Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern, on Voice America Business. Do you find yourself working tirelessly to keep your business going? Are you finding out that you don't have time for family, friends, any kind of personal life whatsoever? It's time to stop feeling trapped by your business. Tune in to Reclaim Your Freedom with host Shirley Dalton. You'll hear from guests that will help you work on your business instead of constantly in your business and get your life back while the business keeps running and humming. Reclaim Your Freedom airs live every Tuesday at 1 p.m. U.S. Pacific Time on Voice America Business.
4: Effective leadership is what will propel the world, organizations, and businesses through a range of dynamic changes, How do you keep up with these changes, build skills, and lead effectively? Listen for Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations with Maureen Metcalf. Maureen offers tools and engaging guests who are leaders in their field. With each week, you'll work on and improve your skills to lead with confidence and drive your organization's success. Tune in every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Business. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network.
0: You're tuned into Extreme Exposure, the power of personality marketing. To reach Jackie or her guest today, we invite you to call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, send it to Jackie M. at purepotentials.com. Now, back to Extreme Exposure.
1: Hello and welcome back. And I'm actually sitting here face-to-face with my brother having an interview. My brother Maximilian Kreviak is a professional creative. And one of the benefits of being in the same room with him doing this show is that he gets to see my awesome dance moves during commercial break. So I'm sorry you all get to miss that, but it is pretty awesome. Tell them how awesome it is.
2: It's pretty exhilarating. It keeps, <laughs>
1: Thanks, Max. <keeps> yeah. <laughs> That's funny. So Max was talking about his journey through film school, uh, working at a camera store, thinking he's trying to fit the mold, go linear. Saved up some money in Calgary and uh, shot a documentary in Peru. So that was a pretty crazy experience. And you were saying that it didn't get—it's not even finished now—and it didn't—it mm. kind of got set on the back burner. Why did that happen?
2: Um well yeah even even just uh yeah going going back to I mean it was it was me and James and James was in my film class and we, we were fresh out of film school and we really didn't have a clue what we were doing. Um so like in retrospect looking back the experience was awesome but in the time like things were things <laughs> fell apart pretty fast. <laughs> like the one of the be- like the beauty things about uh putting yourself in a situation where you can't really go back by just throwing yourself into a thing you don't know if you can really do but not really giving you um The chance to not do it it's is it just pushes you to finish like you have to you have to go through through with the experience because we were there we were in it we had put ourselves in a situation where we couldn't turn around so that was one of the good things about that is that we it was it might have been naive or foolish but it 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 worked out for us to it it threw us out of our comfort zone and there's nothing we can really do about it which is one of the upsides um but also not really knowing how to go about the whole thing like uh like we blew through our budget we we lost some gear um and it was self-funded, so we were both kind of in the pits at the end of this, and having having run out of money, and we had, we had to come home two weeks early just because we had we had ran out of we were at zero dollars. So we need to left. eat. We needed to eat. We needed to <laughs> eat. At the end of the day, we needed to eat, and it put a lot of strain on our on our partnership, um, and and the direction of where we want to take the documentary, what we want to say with it, and what we were even even saying. I don't think we even really knew what we were saying or what like what we wanted to say. It just turned into this, this adventure we wanted to go on. Mm-hmm. Um, and so yeah, that was that was almost four years ago now, and it's it's just now it's just now that uh, me and James we had a bit of a falling out for, for the because of this whole this whole situation, all the stuff we kind of went through. So he showed he showed up a couple months ago, and we we made amends and we talked about it again. And the whole thing, in retrospect, is a lot easier to look at, especially at, after being uh, being able to develop as a as a human being and also uh, creative and just a professional in the field and, and knowing kind of the way things work uh, a little clear. Um, I'm just starting to look back at the documentary so I mean it will be finished eventually but it's, it's still an ongoing project even four years later which is yeah,
1: no, it yeah. happens I like that about you Max I, I do admire that um, you always look at yourself and you look at the things that you go through and you like to say things like in ro- retrospect and I when I'm looking back on it and I know that i um, <laughs> Although I've tried to bait you into crises, but you don't want to do that with me. But <laughs> there's a lot of times that you just want to look at what's happened and you go over that. And I think that, you know, a lot of people miss out on doing that thing in all of these different industries where something doesn't work. Maybe it's your marketing and you put something out there and it doesn't work. Well, I've tried everything. So how could so they throw it away. Right. You put this on the back burner. You looked at it and then you said. You know, I'm not throwing this away. There's great footage here, and you had this feeling inside, right, that Mm -hmm. you knew that there was still something there to complete. Mm -hmm. So I really love that. But at the time, I think you started to feel a bit disgruntled, and Mm -hmm. you know, um, what, what was the feeling? Did you feel like you didn't have enough support? Did you feel like you needed to do something else? What happened next?
2: Well, that, that's actually is like when we got back to Peru, everything kind of fell apart and the project was very close to being thrown away. Like we almost just, there was, there was a point where I had said I'm giving up, like I'm done with this and I'm going to, <laughs> I'm deleting the hard drive. Like it's getting flashed, whatever. <laughs> um, and just talking with some, some of those friends and some support that I was advised against. So we didn't do that and we left it and we left it till now basically. Um, but yeah, after, after that experience and just kind of having it kind of go sideways on us and just being younger, uh, like moving forward also being back in back in my own country and and pushing forward again with more free freelance related work and and not knowing where to really how to present myself in in the creative industry it it was getting tough to to keep uh, like the passion alive especially when I was I was uh, kind of lost for support and in, in where I, in, in where where to find that support or what kind of where to go with that support um, and
1: financial too, right? I mean, I can mm-hmm. imagine that you're trying to do things based on passion, mm-hmm. creativity. You don't know what the message is exactly, so you mm-hmm. obviously don't know how to monetize that.
2: Yeah, exactly. Right? And so it's like when you're not, yeah, you know, you know, when you're struggling financially, it gets very hard to to see see the point in what you're doing. So yeah, things started definitely dwindle quite a bit at that point. But
1: mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. so what did you do?
2: Um, well, yeah, so I, I, kept, I kept kind of working just my my nine to five job for a little while and. And again, that same thing, how it happened in Vancouver, that started to get very stale because uh, prospects for whatever um, were kind of disappearing. And it was, I kind of found myself at one point just working, just going to work. And I was like, well, at that point I was 22 and I'm just going to work every day, not utilizing the education that I had acquired, not really finishing it. Like I had a few other projects that were kind of popping up, but um, were pretty small at that point. Um, and as, as time went on, like, a, an opportunity to move to Mexico came up. So that's actually, I, I decided to sw- switch things up. And I, I moved down to Mexico for a bunch of months with my girlfriend. And, and uh, that was a big kind of transitional period at the moment as well. You but.
1: literally fled the country and ran away to Mexico. Yeah. And you drove there.
2: And we drove, yeah. We drove to Mexico.
1: <laughs> From Canada <laughs> into some place in Mexico that's, you know, mm. not like what people, when they go on those vacations, it was nice. But it's like, you're up there living in Mexico.
2: Yeah, <laughs> which it was, it was cool. It was, it was a cool experience, but it was it, it and that kind of, um, added to, and I mean, at, at this point in my life too, I was, I was very much focused on what kind of, uh, I was very gear based rather than, uh, thinking, thinking professionally or thinking creatively or thinking kind of outside the box. So I was, I was putting a lot of focus on, uh, needing, uh, certain ty- types of tools to be able to com- like compete the in the, cameras and
1: lights, cameras and fancy lights stuff. Like lenses,
2: any kind of thing. And, and even just kind of like losing a g- large portion of. Uh, my financial means in Peru, uh, that led to a large a large portion of gear lost. So, I had, Like
1: selling it and stuff?
2: No, I hadn't sold any at that point. But oh, I, lost I, it.
1: I and <laughs> you literally lost, I it. lost
2: <laughs> it. Like, it. literally lost it. literally got destroyed. <laughs> so I came back with just like a very, like, I had one camera, one lens. I wasn't very very fond of it. And my passion was was dwindling. And I ended up living in Mexico for quite some time. And I had a lot of time to reflect while I was in Mexico. And at this point in time, though, I, I had, uh, yeah, I, I wasn't, I wasn't, like I, I, my my first training in, in any sort of creative industry was in photography, and I was I, I was kind of I stopped shooting while I was in Mexico and was getting sick of this and, and had kind of unconsciously made a decision to give this give this up. And so yeah. when I got back from Mexico, that's when I because again. I was broke from coming back from Mexico and living there for too long and not working. <laughs> um, sold the rest of the gear I had, so i had kind of like put the last nail in the coffin in, in that sort of, uh, in what I thought I was doing with my life.
1: Oh, this is but. so funny. You know, it's a, it's such a common story. Oh, I'm the creative, struggling artist. And I know, too, being a cre- professional creative, that it isn't... Um, you hear that from everybody Mm -hmm. oh what are you going to actually do what what are you going to do for money and and you do it gets very draining and it wears Mm -hmm. on you because you hear this oh you should get something to back you up (laughs) you Mm -hmm. know like theater and and film production this is what my family likes people Mm -hmm. (laughs) but so yeah I I know it came very very draining but when you came back you were kind of different you you did make that unconscious decision and then what did you do?
2: yeah well yeah yeah so they, I mean now and then there's some years actually passed by where i I had fallen completely out of this this industry all altogether um almost like there was there was some very loose strings that every once in a while would pique my attention and I would get involved in in, in some projects um lightly, uh which I think was the saving grace so like in the in the end kind of goal here uh-huh. Um, One of
1: the funny things is when you came back and you had quit your job, this is a funny story. I got it. (laughs) We were reminiscing about the olden days. And I had it in my head that I was going to help business owners with video, but no clue what I was doing whatsoever. And as Max called it, I was inviting, what did you call it? Lunatics into my, stranger strangers and lunatics into my home right. <laughs> and putting them in front of a camera and we had some funny ones like what, what are some of the ones that you can remember that these people are great people but really I wasn't very clear on what I was doing with them but we'd put a camera on them and basically they were just trying to pitch their stuff which is not creative but it was it makes for good stories now hmm. what are some of the ones that you can remember
3: <laughs> I,
2: I, I don't know if I remember all like exact details but at the at the, at the end of the because this is this also when I just got back <gasps> from Vancouver and still trying to figure out what to do so I mean I had a camera Jack had an idea we just oh, it's, it's filming these people. And <laughs> after about two months of just kind of like interviewing these people at their business, we, we kind of came to the conclusion that we were just seriously pumping out like low-quality infomercials.
1: <laughs> low-quality infomercials.
2: we really had to reevaluate <laughs> what we were doing that. So that was a little, yeah, a little brutal.
1: Yeah, oh, we did. I liked the one where, what you said, um, this whole lady was just pitching the fact that she could potentially afford a BMW. What, what was that about again?
2: Uh, it was, it was just, yeah, it was, it was just some qu- like quasi-pyramid scheme <laughs> And I mean the, the the proof the proof behind her pudding was that if she wanted to she she could have a BMW. And that's the proof, people. That's I could have what if I wanted to. So
1: yes, we shot low quality infomercials and pyramid schemes. Yeah. <laughs> the one the one lady too I and I really loved her because she was this very heart centered. Uh, she takes care of pets and she just did not have anything clear to say. And you and I were just sitting there, mouths gaping open, like, what are we supposed to do here? Yeah. But it was fun. It was the good old days. And you know what? I don't, that was one of my fondest memories of when we were working together because um, I had an, I thought, I am so glad he went to film school. I want to do films. I want to do video, things like that. And just no clue. But at least we got out there and we did some stuff. Yeah, we tried. <laughs> we tried. Yeah. We do much better now. Yeah, we do a lot of good stuff now. Yeah. <laughs> so one of the things that um, uh, you were talking about was it say here, I told you about proof. Yeah. Um, one of the things you were talking about was the fact that you didn't feel like you had any support. So what right. are you doing? Or what's changed? Or is that different now for you?
2: Yeah, no, absolutely. And that, I mean, uh, it wasn't at the time that I felt that I lacked support. It was, it was actually, uh, pretty recent that I was, I was reaching out to some other pretty successful, uh, like mural artists that I know in Calgary that I I hang out with or like to work with quite a bit. And we were, we were just, uh, we're having a meeting with a, with a a few artists actually about what it means to be an artist and and what that means to, to choose that as a career.
3: Yeah.
2: And, uh, so looking, looking, just looking back at your path, there's, there's like, it, it can be a very confusing time when you come out of school, uh, and to try to blaze your own path into the creative industry. And we were talking about just like the, the possible lack of support that there is for the, the creative people within, within the realm of just being a new, a new creative person coming out of an institution and not having a, a set support system to really hold you up and a set kind of path of guidance to really show you where to go. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: yeah. No, I know. Support is is massive and I like that you're talking a lot about creativity because and I talk a lot about that. When people are doing their marketing, they go out there and they try everything and they get really down on it. They they don't understand that putting out your message in whatever industry, I don't care if you're a locksmith and you are building a business of telling people to buy your Locksmithing, smithings—I'm going to call it locksmithing because I think it sounds cooler. (laughs) Locksmithing services—you still have to put that passion and that creativity in there. And when it starts to dwindle, because it can dwindle in somebody like you Mm -hmm. who is an artist, Mm -hmm. it takes longer because you want to make this work, and that is what fuels you—is that passion and that creativity. But if you're somebody who's passionate about locksmithing, and part of your job is to put your personality in your marketing. (laughs) (laughs) you got to have a head shift around that and you do got to get that support. So
2: Mm.
1: I love that. What kind of people did you reach out to?
2: Um, just uh, yeah, other, other people I look up to, people who have, um, in like my own eyes been very successful in, in what they were doing, but, uh, people, people working, um, truthfully to what they care about. So putting themselves out there in being successful in something that they find importance in, uh, not necessarily passionate, but something they find importance in. And, it's, and yeah. I, I reached out to those people that, in my eyes, that really inspired me, or, or really uh, had taught me a lot in the past, or people that I thought could, could teach me a lot. I just basically reached out, asked a lot of questions, and, and spent time with, uh, yeah, just other homies that could, that have been successful in what they're
1: doing. Recently, um, so I use, when I do my own video editing, because I love doing it, and I learned it from Max, (laughs) um, we use Premiere Pro. And what's, really cool about that is I've pretty much learned all of my foundations and basics from working with you Mm -hmm. then I spent a ton of time just editing a lot of shenanigan based videos Mm -hmm. then I spent a lot of time pushing buttons Mm -hmm. (laughs) and I went I know this product this is what I know and then I look at things that Max makes and I go I'm never going to know how to (laughs) make video but what was so cool was the other day you came and you told me that you're taking a video editing course Mm -hmm. with this guy in Calgary Mm -hmm. and I was really enjoying um, I was like why would you do that you know you kind of know all of this stuff already
0: mm-hmm.
1: talk a little bit about that and why you did that and i liked when you were telling me about how you sort of set your ego aside to actually take the steps to take that class
2: mm-hmm. so i actually this i i uh, i'm taking this class actually his, his name is chris dowsett uh if anyone wants to check him what's out what's his name chris dowsett Chris chrisdowsett.com you can check him out
1: chrisdowsett.com yeah, he's, shout he's out
2: a really really good guy but um actually met him through reaching out to to these other people that i know so reaching out to some of my mentors or some of the people that i look up to um that had led that had led to other jobs or led to other conversations and by reaching out and letting it be known that i was i was willing to are interested in expanding myself or or learning more uh i got more opportunities and ended up showing up so uh, i had a friend who actually linked me up with chris because like oh chris is a really great guy he knows knows tons and tons about video editing like he's He's been a filmmaker for years and years and years. Like he's very, very well versed in in the craft that he craft that he does. And um, so I ended up linking, linking up with him and and just being stoked on on everything he could, he could teach me. The things he taught me. Like we had a, we had a two-hour kind of meeting, and uh, the amount I learned from him was just immense. So I, I decided to sign up for one of his one of his courses, and it's yeah, it's it's been great. Um, but yeah, it's it's what was one of the biggest uh, revelations for me to. To bring back my passion also bring back uh my confidence in in knowing that it like in where to find success is also just knowing that you knowing to always be open to learning yeah and i mean coming out of film school and i've talked to a lot of actually my my film graduates my film buddies um a lot of our downfalls was was getting coming out of there with a sense of entitlement could be like oh like we, we went to film school like we should we're worth uh this this amount or we should be getting these jobs because we have this this skill set and it's like well First of all, you need to prove that, and you might not actually still have that skill set. It's like, yeah, you went to film school, but you still need to keep your mind open to learn and to absorb knowledge. And I think that, like that, for myself, was one of the, the biggest things that I needed to learn. And also, yeah, setting your ego aside and realizing that it's like, you know what, like, what you learned doesn't really mean anything unless you can kind of prove it. And so, that always helps by by connect by connecting. That's that's, I think the key to, key to success is definitely connecting with with. The people that are important. But.
1: Yeah. And you know, I think there's a fine line there too, that the creatives will walk, especially mm-hmm. when you're doing fun things like film videos and plays mm-hmm. is that you know what, you are entitled to make a living at what you're doing. Yes. But you're you you're also, you have to be open to learning and to taking mm-hmm. that beginner's mindset mm-hmm. because the beginner's mindset of putting those foundations and, and looking at things from different point of views is what's going to mm-hmm. really support you. But there's always that balance, right? Because mm-hmm. people want to well it's good for your portfolio well actually i still have this habit of eating Mm -hmm. (laughs) so i gotta be paid and i'm willing to work hard for what i'm getting and i'm willing to learn Mm -hmm. but it's always that fine line as a creative type to to keep the balance we're gonna go to a quick commercial break and when we come back we're gonna hear the rest of this story because it's really good and there's a surprise twist ending see you soon
0: Pick Time on the Voice America Business Channel.
3: If you are a small business owner or a creative freelancer in pretty much any field, you can't miss Let's Get Radical. Your hosts, Jody Paydar and Liz Gold, will help you redevelop your plans, policies, and practices to take a radical turn in order to achieve new success. They spotlight the latest in technology, attitudes, what others are doing, and what can help you. Tune in every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time and 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. And let's get radical.
4: If you want to learn how to be a better leader, increase your level of business performance, and motivate your team and organization more effectively, listen for Performing at Your Best Mindset Evolution with Luis Vicente Garcia. Luis Vicente and his guests will share their expertise and enthusiasm in helping you to succeed. It's combining that drive with business skills that will do just that. Tune in live every Tuesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio, Voice America Business Network.
0: You're tuned into Extreme Exposure, the power of personality marketing. To reach Jackie or her guest today, we invite you to call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, send it to Jackie M at purepotentials.com. Now, back to Extreme Exposure.
1: Welcome back. If you're just tuning in now, I'm here with my baby brother, Max Kreviak, Maximilian Kreviak, who is a brilliant cinematographer and artist. And if you haven't had a chance, which you probably haven't, uh, to check out his work, he's just in the middle of getting his website relaunched, but you have to see his stuff. He's made um, wedding videos that look like I mean, it's it's just, they're so beautiful. They've made people cry. He's made documentaries. He's shot, he's off to shoot a music video in Vancouver. So he's gone through a lot of stuff. And I'm giving the spoiler alert here now because he's been doing a lot of amazing work. People seek him out in a lot of different capacities. So it's really fun for me to remember the olden days when Max, well, you know, five years ago, when Max was getting his career going and when he was sort of looking at how does this fit into being a a man and making a living and having a a life but also being that creative professional so i think it's really great that you're here max (laughs) so you came back you were on this journey you came back to calgary and you started to feel disgruntled you quit your job at the camera store again (laughs) again another camera store down and what did you do then
2: yeah, well, no, I, I quit the camera store because the opportunity to to live in Mexico, to move to Mexico, uh, popped up and.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. Then yeah, you came, like, back came back from Mexico. Came back from Mexico.
2: That whole thing happened,
1: but yeah. So what happened when you came back from Mexico?
2: Um. Well, yeah, Mexico itself was was a pretty, pretty cool experience, uh, and it was a very kind of introspective time. But uh, coming back and just being kind of out of work for the last like five or six months, I, need, I needed to come up with some money and. Um, also, having my passion dwindle into this sort of industry, I had gotten rid of all the all like the film related things that I still had, and kind of started to cut my ties with that with that industry and and move on a bit, uh, move on, or just move in a different direction, I guess.
1: Yeah. So, mm-hmm. so what did you do? Go to school? <laughs> I'm, I know you did. <laughs>
2: yeah. No, yeah. So I went, I went back to school. I went back to school. <laughs> Um, that and that time too though was it was very interesting because I was I was struggling with kind of yeah the, the ideas of what it meant to like to grow up and what it meant to be a man and I was I was in a relationship that was getting pretty serious and just trying to figure out like where my role in that uh, landed and so I got kind of I, I was a bit influenced on uh, not by anything particular other than maybe like past ideologies of things that I needed to do so yeah I decided to because what I was doing at that mo- moment wasn't necessarily uh, instantly working out which is like I mean of course it doesn't nothing nothing just happens for you but um, I decided to go back to school to kind of switch it up yeah Mm -hmm.
1: and I know that because we share the same father and we love him but Mm -hmm. he wanted the best for us and is a very linear kind of person Mm -hmm. he would say things like you guys got to get real jobs You should be a mechanic, Max. And I don't know what's going to happen with you, Jackie. I'm just glad you're not in jail right now. He would actually say that to me. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But it's funny to to look at him now when he goes, I can't believe you guys. It's so crazy how this is all, you know, it's nice when when things shift. So you go back to school, you start taking this engineering, and then Mm -hmm. that's not going well for you. So you you decide, well, maybe my dad's right. Is that like, what was the thought Mm -hmm. process? Because you started into mechanics.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Well, so I went back to school for engineering, which was fine. Um, but it—I uh, mean—the <laughs> whole drive for me was that I was—I was, I was uh, looking for something that wouldn't—I would not struggle financially with because I was like, oh man, like I'm—I'm I'm growing up, like I need to get my shit together. I need to like—I need to make a living, or like I just this very kind of shallow idea of what it meant to kind of uh, be an adult. And it was, oh, like I, I got to go into—I'll I'll go into engineering. Is what I decided because that's going to make me lots of money. With that with that was the mindset. I'm going to make money. Engineering equals money. Okay, cool. So let's do it. So <laughs> starting this program and I mean, not enjoying myself and just uh, lots of hard work for things that did not want to be involved in. Um, and I started looking at it kind of from an outside perspective. And I was like, wow, I'm spending like an ab- absurd amount of money being at this school that I don't like. And I'm, I, I realized I was kind of building myself into a trap because I... I was I was just like I had this mindset that oh I just need to get through school and I'll get my I'll get my engineering degree I'll I'll be mechanical engineer that'll be great and then I'll then I'll everything would be great but the, I mean realistically I was I was I was building student loans to push myself into a career that I didn't want to be in it was like if I didn't like the school I'm not gonna like the job like it's just it's it is it's one and the same um, and so that kind of led me to then I started feeling a bit panicked because I didn't know what to do with myself and I and yeah like, I'm a, I my family's a, I have a family of, of mechanics and. So I, I chose, I was like, screw it. Uh, I don't know what else to do. I'm just going to, I knew, I knew I could succeed at being a mechanic. I knew that I would make money. So I, I jumped ship and decided to go do that.
1: Uh, yeah. yeah. You know, it's funny. There's a, a similar thing that happens. I know a lot of speakers and coaches who want to speak in front of audiences and be creative and do all that. And when the speaking opportunities aren't just manifesting instantly what they do is they take on service clients i've done this too i've been guilty Mm -hmm. of taking on service clients and as a creative when you're doing something like that it's like i need the money because i gotta eat and i have this instant problem and i'm hungry Mm -hmm. but in the it's really detrimental to the bigger picture a lot of times because you do need to be working on the things that aren't instantly generating the money, Mm -hmm. like making content. Extreme exposure tip, if you're wanting your marketing to work, you need lots and lots of content. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That was just my little injection of wisdom. So you you became a mechanic and following down the path, by the way, Mm -hmm. I'm not a mechanic.
2: No, no, no. <laughs> I'm not either. I'm only a second year mechanic at the moment. <laughs> That's as far as it went.
1: Second year mechanic. So you said, so go do this. This yeah. is really cool. Like, it's really cool what's happened for you, though, mm-hmm. because um, you were doing that. And then all of a sudden, one day, you have the coolest job ever. Like, it's a, I know it's just kind of, It's. it's still like the story is unfolding and it's progressing. But why don't you tell us? This is the surprise ending, by the way. <laughs> Well, yeah. What kind of job do you have now?
2: Well, well, th- things were things were great. Like things were no, not things weren't great, but things were. It was a very interesting time uh, being back in school and being back in a different kind of school and, and going through these processes and um, and just uh, there was the biggest the biggest thing for me is that I was I, w- I was living my day to day in, in a manner that I wasn't enjoying. So I had this underlying tone of unhappiness for quite a while, um, which then really kind of forced me to shake up these ideas that I had in my head and these ideas that what I thought I had to do. Uh, I had to really, uh, I had to really strongly look at them and, and focus on kind of what I was and I had to realize why I was doing these things, which was, which was a, a big thing for me as well. That, which answered answered a lot of questions and, uh, also was a great uh, point of, of gaining a lot of confidence into the area that I, I enjoy or want to do. Um, yeah. So yeah, I was, I was just, I was doing that for a while. Um, Realized I was unhappy, um, and that's like I start I started to to reach out, and that's when I started to reach out to to these these people that I knew and these people that were successful in the field, and finding advice and finding and, and learning kind of how to push myself back into this. And um, this is where those those kind of loose film jobs uh, really uh, proved their importance. That's the, those those loose little ties that I still had kicking around really proved their importance because that's when I. I ended up deciding to take a few of them and picked picked up a few a few jobs and and had a few budgets for a few clients which allowed me to get back into the industry uh and also just help fuel my confidence that it was it was actually possible to to make a living at what I was doing and also to uh, it was a glimmer of hope in in the kind of the darkness that there is a possibility for success in this kind of industry um but at the same time it's like all these crazy decisions and all these these kind of learnings that I made and all these at the time thinking I was I was getting rid of uh, changing industries, are even just like taking new schooling—it all, all. When you look back, it's funny how things all kind of work out the end. Because um, one of the one of the biggest things that helped me come back into even the freelance world, of working uh, successfully in the creative in the creative industry, is just getting a creative directing job, um, but at a mechanic shop, which is really
1: fun. Yeah. It's a creative director shop. like he's trying to build a life. I'm sorry, it's very exciting. but he's what did you call it a lifestyle
2: it's it's a it's a lifestyle shop, but it's we're, we're we are we are based in uh, we're a fabrication c- fabrication shop. And the only reason I got this job is because I have an education to film and also an education in mechanics. so it's like and you needed both of them. you needed both of <laughs> them. so it's it was a really great place to.
1: Sorry, I think that's just so cool. Yeah, it is. It
2: was it was very cool. It, it it just kind of popped up and it was this shop was I mean, we do all sorts of stuff like we're a production house. It's a studio garage and and it really is involved in the film industry and it's where I want to be. Um and I had to go through these things that weren't enjoyable or were confusing or were seemingly completely opposite to what I was doing to even kind of get to this point and and I'm not even even close to where I want to be or where I think I can go or yeah. but this is like uh, it's it's a very good place to uh it's a very good grounding start which is funny because I mean it's been almost six years since I came to film school and it's just now that I feel like I'm <laughs> beginning oh,
1: I my love path, that her. I love that a grounding place you know why why it's like, why it's so great is because it shows you and everybody around you that you can have this pattern of success mm-hmm. where you can be paid and you can take all of the things that make you and there's always going to be a place for it mm-hmm. and I I was talking to you earlier, Max, about this, I didn't even know lifestyle mechanic shops were a thing, Mm. but I kind of did because I was in Oceanside last year and there was this coffee place and across the street from the coffee place was this uh, shop and they had this huge mural, this art mural on the wall. They had, it was open and they had all these 1950s cars because that's a big thing in Oceanside. Mm. And the guys who owned the shop walked out of there and into the coffee uh, shop and they were like rock stars. They, people knew them. They had like the coolest. They were in their mechanic-y things, but it was like cool stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's really neat how how this is a thing. <laughs> I love that. So what do you do for this guy? You do all of his Instagram and filming and mechanic-y stuff. That's neat.
2: Yeah, no, it's a, it's a good it's a good uh, uh, like side venture. Um, yeah, just just creative creative direction for our lifestyle shop. So I mean, we like it's just we do imperial graphics, decals, uh, like st- studio based.
1: He said decals. For anybody out there who disagrees me with that word, it's decal, not decal. Just so, just saying. I'm on the radio. I get to say that. (laughs) Right on. So, what's next for you, Max? I mean, I'm here. Before we, uh, you answer that. Why I had you here, not only because I love you and I'm super inspired by you, but I think what you do really shows people that they can take a passion and they they can roll with it as long as they have that persistence, that you keep learning, that you have creativity, that you... Get support. I know that's really big for you. Mm-hmm. And I really like that whole idea of self-reflection. Mm-hmm. And it's self-reflection in everything you do. If you're doing a speaking engagement, look at it. Don't just say that was awesome or that was the worst thing that happened. Mm-hmm. What was it? What did I feel? You know, so mm-hmm. I think that's amazing. So where are you going next? What's what's up for you?
2: Uh, next, um, I mean, that's there's lots of opportunities. Uh, next is just, again, yeah, in... in Pushing forward with with these skills, these new skill sets that I've learned, and being open to new opportunities, um, and just broadening myself as a per- professional creative, and continuing to to grow as a human being—that sort of sector of my life, I guess.
1: I love that. But, so. Uh, Once again, I'm just going to do a little shout out to the speakers retreat that's happening in Phoenix at the Scottsdale Plaza Resort, October 21st to the 23rd. Uh, Max is going to be there. He's going to be shooting some film. He's going to be shooting the speakers. So if that's something that you're interested in getting him to do that work for you, it's awesome. It's part of the retreat. Um, I'm going to be putting out Max's website information on the show so that everybody can get a sampling of how... Truly amazing, his work is. And I'm not just saying that because I'm his big sister and I love him, because I do. (laughs) I have other siblings too, but you don't see them here. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) I was teasing. Um, But I really do admire your work. And I think that what you do is so incredibly beautiful. And um, I'm really grateful to you for all the work that you've done for me over the years and helping me. You know, my mom likes to say, the film education was two for one. She t- put Max in that and he taught it to me. So <laughs> two for one for us. What's just to end here for some fun stuff, Max, what's your favorite movie?
2: Favorite movie. Yeah. Oh my God. Um, I mean, I'm really huge on interstellar right now. Cause that was a really interstellar. Great, interstellar was a great Like, Uh, that's a new one for me. Um, and if, like I love the Cohen Brothers. I mean, Life Aquatic with with Wes Anders is also great as well. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. I like uh, I like talking to you about films because when I shoot things, I get an idea in my mind, mm-hmm. and I think I like that. And then you'll come up with, oh, that's like what Wes Anderson does because he's got that, and you'll break that down for me. So I love that mm-hmm. film study. You should do a a film study online podcast where you break down films that would be fun (laughs) one other thing that we're doing too is that i've just convinced my brother that he should help me on a new youtube show that i want to create Called How to Be a Celebrity. And I'm going to talk more about that, but we're going to do some fun stuff. Um, go on ahead, go over to purepotentials.com, check out what we've got going on. Voice America, which you're listening to right now, is one of our title sponsors. And they're going to be there talking about how to get more pl- publicity with your media. Um, you're going to get some pictures taken when you come to the event. You're going to get some videos done, speak in front of some people. So it's a really great opportunity. Max, thanks so much for um, coming out and talking to me today. And Mm. now I think you and I should go out and have dinner. Totally. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next week.
0: Bye. Thanks for joining us this week on Extreme Exposure, the power of personality marketing. We're here live every Wednesday at 7 p.m. Eastern time. 4 p.m. Pacific time on the Voice America Business Channel. Your host, Jackie McClinigan, can't wait to bring you another show next week.